Welcome to McKnight's Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information from industry leaders. Hi, I'm Liza Berger, editor of McKnight's Home Care. Up to $265 billion worth of services for Medicare beneficiaries is expected to move from facilities to the home by 2025. Who will be the winners and losers in this shift? I pose this question to Oleg Vesseni and Michelle Shimaluski of the management consulting firm McKinsey. I'm so pleased to have with me Oleg Betseni and Michelle Shimaluski of McKinsey. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you for having us, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Recently, you both wrote a report on the shift in Medicare services from the facilities to the home. The headliner in the report was that $265 billion worth of care services for all Medicare beneficiaries will be moving into the home from facilities by 2025. Would you break this down for us? Give us an idea of the scale of this and what exactly it means? Oleg, you want to start? Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, we're very excited about this potential for a shift because it actually represents an increase of about three to fourfold from the current level of services delivered in the home. And it falls into a number of categories things that you already see being done at home and the capabilities exist and you want to do it a bit more uh, going into the future. And those are the things like uh, long-term care at home, primary care at home, specialist care at home, behavioral health at home. Do you want to see an increase uh, in services that uh, are are just in their nascency today, uh, but will require some additional capabilities to be built? The infrastructure is ready, but more things and actions are needed by the actors of the system. And those are the things like infusions and home dialysis at home. Uh, Or do you go and see a potential for some very innovative approaches and use cases for delivering much more in the home than traditionally. And that is the, the big unfulfilled promise of delivering hospital acute services at home. Uh, and all of them, when you sum it up together, uh, come up to this uh, pretty substantial increased potential that we see potentially playing out in the next few years. And then Michelle, give us an idea of how much money we're talking and like what 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 kind of an increase this is compared to what what we're what the amount that is in the home now absolutely um so th- the analysis that we did suggests that up to 265 billion dollars um, of care services that are currently being provided um, in these traditional facilities could potentially shift um, into the home by 2025 now that's going to look a little different um, across the each of the service categories that Oleg mentioned based on the, the starting spend base that we're talking about and the amount um, that, that we anticipate um, could ultimately shift into the home. And where are these pockets of growth um, occurring and where where is the biggest bulk of the spending kind of coming from and what areas? Um, you mentioned several, Oleg, but can you kind of dig into that a little bit deeper? Sure thing. I think um, the current wave uh, of what we're seeing, the biggest push is occurring in what I would call virtualizing of services, which is delivering things that were previously done in person in the clinic, virtually or digitally. Things like virtual urgent care, things like virtual specialist behavioral health visits, those are the things that are driving currently immediately a big push away from the traditional care settings in person 
virtually and into the home. I think uh, the next wave of this, uh, and we already are seeing this, innovative models of bringing servicing into the people's home, physically into the people's home. So humans coming into people's home at much higher scale than they were previously doing so. And we already are seeing things related to shifting of uh, nursing, you know, things that were delivered previously in the skilled nursing facility to people's homes, uh, delivering hospice services at home. Uh, and in all, all in all, this is the set of categories that are driving the increase in the current and the near term. And I think uh, what we're not yet seeing uh, and from our article and the analysis that we've done, the biggest potential part of this $265 billion increase that Michelle talked about comes from the sheer immense potential to increase hospital services at home. Uh, we're seeing innovation around this, spurred some uh, by, by the regulations uh, that uh, CMS has recently published uh, and uh, innovative pilots across the country, but it is truly really in its infancy and that is where the potential biggest uh, future growth could come from. This sounds like a giant um, leap in kind of the, the type of care that your traditional kind of home care agency provides. Michelle, can you shed some light on who's performing these services? What are, are there new players now entering the market um, given all of the innovation that Oleg was talking about? Yeah. So we're seeing, you know, uh, you know, we're seeing, as Oleg mentioned, a lot of virtual care um, players coming into this space. Many of those um, are newer companies that particularly with COVID have gotten a lot of investment and attention. So that's one part of the ecosystem. We're also seeing the, you know, traditional uh, bread and butter um, home health agencies playing in this space and also considering how they can potentially expand into um, adjacencies. And then we're also looking at some traditional providers that historically have performed services in their facilities, looking at ways that they can also uh, bring care um, into the home, uh, whether they're standing up their own offerings or partnering with some of these players that we've talked about. Let's talk a little bit about the forces driving the push. I think we've heard um, plenty about the pandemic changing the way that care is delivered. Is that the main a driver of this? Um, and would we have seen this kind of growth in home care pre-pandemic? And are there other forces also at play? Oleg? It's a great question. I think uh, undoubtedly uh, the pandemic has played a, a huge catalyzing role in a couple of ways. One, the initial wave of the pandemic and, and the closure of in-person visits, clinic visits, led to really a great acceleration and explosion in uh, use of virtual health. Um, basically, it is currently, as of now, we are measuring it about 40 times the pre-pandemic level. And at the peak, it was you know 70 percent, uh, 70 times more um, uh, or so. The second thing was actually starting a, a shift, a forced shift in, in some of the discharges from the hospitals to go to home as opposed to where traditionally they would go to skilled nursing facilities, once again, forced by 
the pandemic. And all of that, those two big factors, virtualization of care due to closure of offices and shifting of post-acute discharge services to home, uh, also forced by COVID-19, has led to real acceleration of rethinking of what can be delivered in the home. Uh, we've always known and heard from patients that oftentimes they do prefer to receive various services in the home. So patients and, and members oftentimes wanted it. And this was the two catalyzing forces. And on top of that, we saw a third force that was pretty unexpected, which was record-breaking uh, levels of investment into the tech-enabled new art approaches, new startups, new companies that were starting to rethink how to deliver care continuum and how to deliver more, more of it virtually or in the home. I think those three forces combined have been a great accelerant. Quite frankly, breaking down some of the regulatory barriers that existed previously has also uh, helped uh, quite a bit, even though there is still a lot of uncertainty about the future state, you know, stable state of regulations around this space. Uh, and uh, that has been probably one of the, the biggest contributors to what led to this push. And uh, it is super exciting looking into the future. And then we're also seeing the one thing I'll add on is, you know, we're also seeing, particularly in the Medicare space, increased activity around value-based um, care, which is, uh, you know, adding an additional incentive um, to provide high-value services in the home as well. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to know kind of who are the winners and the losers in all of this. I mean, um, on the surface, it looks like winners, home care, losers, facilities. I know it's not that simple, but um, on the provider front, then who are the ones that are really going to um, grow as a result of this, you know, see um, see a boost um, in, in revenues and uh, in patients? Um, talk to us a little bit about that, Oleg. Sure thing, Lisa. It's a, it's a very good question. I think uh, I, I'll, I'll start provocatively by saying everybody can be a winner. Uh, what is required is really to think about embracing this change, right? Because you can think of a provider that has always done things in a certain way and they think, well, this is just another fad and it's going to go away and I'm going to continue uh, the, the, the way that I've al always operated. Well, we're seeing a lot of growth in uh, what Michelle has mentioned, these value-based care approaches, which are uh, health systems, hospital systems, uh, and, and increasingly so physician groups, multi-specialty, PCP-led, primary care-led, or specialist uh, multi-specialty groups, taking approaches and saying, look, we're going to take on risk, including that if the outcomes are not there, we're going to be paid less. And, and when they do take on some risk, they also rethink how they deliver services. And part of that is to say, we need to care for the patients when they're not in our clinic. And that leads to a lot of rethinking of what care needs to be done uh, outside of the clinic, including in the home, which is where a lot of, especially the elderly patients are. And I think uh, these innovative approaches and the providers who are embracing these innovative approaches are ultimately going to win out. Uh, but it is also quite early to tell because we're literally looking at the fairly infant uh, market here. Uh, it is very fragmented. There isn't any 
kind of a player or company dominating the market anywhere close to it. It is very geographically fragmented as well. And uh, therefore, there is a lot of opportunity and there are lots of niches uh, to potentially play in. And when we talk about home health, I know we talk about a monolithic space. Uh, our analysis highlighted a number of various, what I would call use cases, where you can pursue and play, you know, home infusions, home dialysis, home hospital, home behavioral health. Uh, and so when you take a look at this monolithic space of home health, and actually it is very, very fragmented in and of itself because there are so many different use cases you can pursue as a company, I think there can be lots of uh, great success stories going forward. If you ask me who will be the losers, it is hard to tell, but I do think that uh, we're truly witnessing some uh, big wave of innovation that is not just a fad here. And the losers are going to be the, the providers who are not going to embrace it. I, uh, I wholeheartedly um, agree, you know, with Oleg in, you know, ideally, you know, ultimately, you know, there's a world where nobody is a loser here. Um, and, you know, if, if you think about it, there's, you know, so much opportunity to provide higher value care um, to patients and members, um, you know, payers are uh, excited about this and, and providers um, can, can play a big role as well. So I, I wholeheartedly stand with Oleg Sunnan at the start there that ideally, you know, nobody is a loser here and everybody across the healthcare ecosystem wins. And I would just uh, add that, you know, we're talking about the markets uh, and things like revenues. I think the biggest winner here are the actual citizens um, and, and people receiving care because the innovative approaches of home health can overcome the existing fragmentation in the system and undoubtedly reduce the avoidable exacerbations whether it is about delivering the necessary preventative and routine services that the member would otherwise or the patient would otherwise not get because they cannot travel to a doctor, uh, or whether it is about convenience or whether it is about better member experience of, of not having to go through an unpleasant procedure in an unfamiliar setting, all of those things ultimately help really improve and move the, the U.S. healthcare system to the triple aim goal uh, of reducing avoidable exacerbations, improving quality of care and, and enhancing member experience. And I think th those are the, the biggest things that come out of it. And then the players that do embrace it in this value-based care world and reality will also uh, be able to take a share of that. If you had a couple pieces of advice for home uh, providers, I'm talking about maybe your personal care, long-term care providers, as well as your more medical home health providers. What would those pieces of advice be, Michelle? I would think, I, I, you know, the piece of advice that I would give is just think expansively about the opportunity, um, you know, to provide better care um, for patients here. Um, you know, yes, within your current existing core business, but what are the different adjacencies within this ecosystem that you can potentially move into. Um, and then I would, you know, also think about um, the opportunities that you have to, uh, you know, partner not just with payers, but with uh, more traditional providers as well.
my biggest piece of advice is take a step back and think about the great potential exciting opportunity that lies ahead of you this is truly uh, a great uh, innovation that is happening right in front of our eyes and as a traditional home health player whether it's you know planning the personal care attendance services delivering home health more broadly there is just so much exciting potential to to go and do something that you haven't done before and traditionally uh, and uh, there is actually a lot of willing investors who are willing to invest in in your growing and expansion plans and there are lots of other stakeholders in the u.s healthcare system that will support you in this journey whether it's the cms or whether it's the payers and i think be excited be bold invest into growing into things you haven't done before and ultimately fulfill this amazing role that you are playing in this ecosystem of delivering even better care to even more members uh, in the place where they like and love to receive the services, which is their home. Terrific. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Oleg and Michelle, for joining me today. Thank you so much, Lisa. It was a pleasure thank to you, talk Lisa. to you. Thanks for listening to McKnight's Newsmakers podcast. We hope you'll join us again soon. Listeners, the first McKnight's Home Care Online Expo is happening today. Learn about it at mcknightshomecare.com. Go to events in the navigation bar and click on webinars. Hope to see you there. Mm-hmm.